You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All your playoff questions answered here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Phoenix Suns for SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. And you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, you can follow our show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can participate in mailbags just like this one. Also, folks, for those of you listening in for the first time, the second time, the third time, if you are new here is what I'm saying, make sure you hit the subscribe button right on the platform you are listening on. However you found us, I guarantee you, There is a way to keep up, get these shows Monday through Friday in your feed every single week, not only throughout the rest of this Lakers series, but all year long. That's what we do here, guys, every day. The Suns news, the Suns info, the Suns analysis that you need. Check out our show, Recapping Game 2 with Brandon, uh, aka Zona, on Tuesday night. If you have not already, subscribe so you get everything starting with a recap of Game 3 later on Thursday night. But, as I said, it is mailbag day. I wanted to give the floor to you. I wanted to make sure that I got to your questions and not just blathering on on my own. So that's what I did today. I appreciate. Got 5 to 10 really good ones. Some overlap, so we'll get to, obviously, some Chris Paul talk. Some front court rotation discussions, I think, is definitely a place we want to hit and... Uh, as well, some some just big picture stuff and, and who should play if Paul doesn't play, etc. So we'll get into all of it. Quickly first though, guys, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. All right, let's start things off. I like um, I like this question to start us off here. It's a couple that are similar, so at Hoops had uh, one which is point book or campaign slash Etwan Moore as the starter if um, if Chris Paul were to not play. And Michael Bolin, who is at Vanilla Falcon underscore, asked a similar thing. If Paul misses it, uh, is it smart to keep Payne as the sixth man? Maybe C, point book, start him. Antonio McDomick had a similar one. So lots of questions, guys. I appreciate them all. I wanted to shout you all out. But let's get right to the answer, which is uh, I think campaign should should start. I just think, look, we saw in game one, there were two minutes where um, each one more was on the floor. I don't think anything fell apart, but I think that the situation here with, with Moore, he has not been as effective of a shooter or scorer as he's aged, as he used to be, that makes it hard for him to really have a role in this series. And I think the other part is his lack of size and you just don't feel his athleticism or his strength defensively. And you have to fight fire with fire when it comes to the Lakers. We know KCP, Caruso, Matthews, even even Schroeder to a certain extent, you feel those guys physically, right? Schroeder, it, it's more of the quickness and the um, the k- kind of way that he's pesky on both ends, just just finding his spots, making stuff happen. 
And then the rest of those guys are just big bulldog type players. And, and more is he's big for like a point guard, but I just haven't felt watching him this year. Like you really feel him in that same way. So I would lean against that even just to, to really play him at all, to be honest with you. I just don't think that it makes a ton of sense. Maybe they really would have to, I, I get that if pain, um, if pain starts and Paul were to not play, I do think that there's a way here though, where you could find a situation where pain can start. And then you stagger Payne and Booker so that basically you have a, a primary ball handler on the floor at all times. I, I really like that that potential. Maybe we still see some spot minutes for more, but I don't think he should start to answer um, to answer Durag's question. And I don't necessarily feel like it makes sense to see him. We also saw had some questions about. Um, Javon Carter. So I'll get to that here. That's from Kevin Dodson at KevDod4. He said, will we, should we see Javon Carter during this series? Loves the defense. If just for a few minutes, they were awesome together in the bubble, but didn't see much time together this season. That is completely true. Um, we, we really haven't seen that combo. And I think again, unfortunately, it's a similar question. The Lakers or a similar answer The the Lakers make you respond to them. They enforce the the lineups, they enforce the 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 kind of like the nature of the game, the the rhythm of the game with LeBron and AD but also their role players just having such a physical advantage. I think playing small with Carter and Payne is is asking for trouble. Now, you know, maybe I would say I I okay, so first I would say I personally do like Carter as an option. Probably a little bit more than I like more, to be honest, as as strange as that might sound, if you are doing what I said and trying to stagger Payne and Booker as much as possible, which, by the way, guys, is pretty easy when both of those dudes are playing so many minutes. However, um, if that happens, I like Carter more because I think that that physicality and sort of um, hustle and, and, and toughness that the Lakers demand out of their opponents, you have to match that, and Carter does. Like, if you can match Carter's minutes with Caruso, I, I like that a little bit. I like, I actually think Carter could hold up against Schroeder. Um, so, as long as you're not asking Carter to guard players who are bigger than him, I think it can work. You probably also want to try to keep those Carter minutes to times when LeBron is not on the floor because we haven't really seen it a ton in this series, but you have seen Javon Carter or I'm sorry, in the past, obviously, you've seen LeBron James attack guys like Javon Carter. We haven't seen LeBron go into like full overdrive mode yet where he's just picking apart mismatches, attacking the the, the weaknesses in every single lineup, every single moment of the game. He hasn't gotten that desperate yet, but if, if he decided to and wanted to post up Carter, he's going to acknowledge, look, I got a six foot max guy. I don't even know if Carter is six feet tall guy on the floor right now, I'm going to back him down and make them help or foul me. And we haven't seen that LeBron mode, but it, it's so damaging when it happens. So that would be one concern with Carter. However, I do think that if you can have him match up with Schroeder or Caruso, a player like that, and um, potentially, hopefully do it when, when LeBron is off the court, I think there's some minutes there. I just don't see who more defends and he can't really create his own shot. So it's like he's kind of a ball mover, spot up shooter, 
and a player you have to really almost hide on defense. I don't, I just don't see the use there. So I actually do, Kevin, like that that possibility a little bit. Antonio talked about Javon as well. So um, that's that's not too bad. I, I do think Carter's a decent option. I wouldn't be surprised to see Monty pull him out of the um, the woodwork a little bit and, and, and come out of the gates with him on the floor in game one. We got a lot of questions, including one on Reddit, uh, one from Gareth, and another from Antonio about the front court rotation, what to do with those Sharich minutes, and what uh, what we could see change here if the Suns want to adjust what they're doing with the big men. We'll get to that right after a quick break, but first, a word from Rock Auto. Just scheduled my Vegas Summer League plans, folks. I am ecstatic that we are getting Summer League this year, and because I live in the Valley, I most likely am going to be driving over there, and that means two things. One, I want to save some money so I can actually have an enjoyable time out there meeting people and having having fun, uh, but I also don't want my car to crap out on me halfway through the drive. It is a desert drive. There's not a lot of amenities between Phoenix and Vegas, so I want to be positive that everything will work. Rock Auto has me on both counts. They are cheap, they are reliably low-priced, and they are easy to shop at, so I don't have to worry about spending too much, not being able to find the cheapest option, which can be an issue, and, of course, they have high-quality stuff. They've been doing this for over 20 years. They are a family business. They try to make it easy and affordable and simple for car owners. I love Rock Auto because I can find what I need really quickly and efficiently without breaking the bank. Go to rockauto.com right now, guys, for any travel plans or to save some money. I think that's something we all can find a common ground in. So check it out. See all the parts available for your car or truck one click away. And when you make your purchase, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto. Com. More mailbag questions coming your way. First up, we have Nervous Platform 249 from the Suns subreddit asking what I think of the four of a four-wing type of lineup with Johnson, Crowder, Bridges, and Craig all on the floor with either Payne or Book to try to make up for the minutes when DeAndre Ayton will sit. Just for reference, folks. Aiton has played a ton of minutes, and I think that's partially getting lost here. And Nervous asked uh, asked that as part of his question. It's really only so Aiton played 42 minutes, which was pretty solid considering he did get into foul trouble early in the game. Um, and so you're really only talking about in, in game two, it was six minutes. It ended up being a little more. Sharich played a little bit more than that. He played 15 because Crowder had some foul trouble. Although I don't even know if that's necessarily the perfect answer because they could have also gone to Torrey Craig there. So it's only a few minutes that you're buying when Aiton is not on the floor. And at the four spot, you have some flexibility. It doesn't need to be Sharich and Aiton if Crowder does get into foul trouble or if another player gets into foul trouble. We should see... I don't think the Sun should be so scared of going small at all. And and so the fact that they that Monty went right to Sharich to replace Crowder after the second foul on that uh, that flagrant it was a double foul one of the the one on Crowder stayed in game two but then they added the flagrant on Davis after the official review so 
if situations like that come up, I do think we should see Craig in there. But in those six minutes when Craig, uh, when Aiton is not on the floor, I do agree that 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 Tory Craig is a player who should be getting a greater look. We have another similar question from Gareth. He says, "Why isn't Tory in the rotation? He can't possibly be worse than Dario at defending bigs." can help more on gang rebounding and will at least shoot and cut without hesitation. All very good observations, Gareth. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Let me really quickly play you a couple of clips, guys, on first, I asked Monty what needs to happen in the Dario minutes because he does seem pretty committed to playing Saric. What needs to happen in those minutes for them to go better, basically? And you'll hear my question and the response. Here it is. Hey, Monty, just curious what you think uh, could could happen better when Dario's on the floor. It seems like you guys haven't had the same success when he comes in for DA as you obviously had with, with Aiden scoring so well. Yeah, I, you know, the rebounding is the thing you worry about because Drummond is so doggone big and he's long. And, and you know, from Gobert to Drummond, those guys have, have given Dario a tough time. Uh, so it's not on Dario. We've been a, a team rebounder team rebounding team all season long. But when you're playing against guys that big, um, it, it can be tough on him. But he, he has the ability to space the floor and make plays. I don't think we're, we're playing through him enough, especially in our early offense. Um, and I got to figure out ways to, you know, help him more. But the rebounding, you know, we just seem a bit small when we have him at the, at the five spot. Now, obviously, we're coming to this from the perspective of a game where the Suns did get out-rebounded pretty, uh, pretty legitimately. 39 for the Lakers, only 31 for the Suns. Andre Drummond controlled the glass with 12 in a way that he did not. In Game 1, Anthony Davis had 10 of his own. So I think it's actually more fair for Monty to think that way than you guys give him credit for. I know people want to go small because... They don't trust Frank and Tory had such a good season, but I do get the idea of feeling better with Dario in the game. Now, I do think also to the to the to the credit of the folks who are asking and, and wanting to see the small lineups, Craig had a higher total rebounding percentage than Dario Sharge, and especially on the offensive glass, Tory uh, rebounded 8.4% of the Suns' misses while the Suns were while he was in the game and Sharich had just 6.1%. But that's just one part of these numbers. You can't ever just say what did one player do when they were in the game from a rebounding perspective. Here's the other aspect of it, the other side that really reinforces Monty's point, honestly. Here it is. Dario Sharich, the Suns were 2% worse on the offensive glass, two percentage points worse on the offensive glass over the course of the season when Dario was in the game, but they were 4.1% better on the defensive glass. When Torrey was in the game, they were obviously better on the offensive glass because he's such a chaos agent in those moments, and he does a good job getting those shots picked back up and put back by himself. But the Suns as a team were almost one percentage point worse on the defensive glass when Torrey was in the game. So that's a pretty huge discrepancy. Four percentage points better with Dario, almost one percentage point worse with Craig. So that reinforces it. The size that 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 Sharich brings and some of that's who are they playing with? We all know the lineup data stuff, but that reinforces it. And so I do think Sharich is here to stay in the rotation, but I think we should also see a little bit more of Craig and we shouldn't be afraid. I don't think Monty should be afraid to try to have Craig 
at center sometimes. If Davis is at the five, if Marcus Gasol maybe is at the five, may, dare them to post up Marcus Gasol. I think there's there are moments where the Suns can go super small to the point of nervous and uh, and and Gareth here. So let me play you the answer question and answer that Monty had for us when we asked why Tori is not playing. He was pretty uh, short. I don't think he loved the question, but here is what he said. Look, I know it's playoffs and you got a tight rotation and all that, Monty, but um, what's the, uh, t- tell me about why Tory Craig is not playing as much. Uh, it seems like he could go in for, you know, for, for rebounding a little bit because he's been a good rebounder in the second half. Uh, what's your thinking on, on Tory Craig's minutes? Well, we're playing Jay, Mikhail, and Cam. Um, with a big lineup like that, it, it's hard to play that many small guys against their bigs. Uh, that's the, the reasoning behind that. And everybody's shortening up their rotation this time of the year. So there you have it. Uh, wants to protect the glass to keep, uh, wants to keep Dario on the floor to protect the glass and wants Craig uh, to be in a limited role, it seems like. However, I do think if we see foul trouble again and Chris Paul just removes one reliable piece from the rotation, I think, for instance, if you're just apples to applesing it, if that's a phrase, uh, Craig is just a guy I trust more than Javon Carter or Etwan Moore or Frank Kaminsky. So if you're just looking at it that way, I think it's worth getting creative to see how can we get Torrey Craig on the floor. And even if Paul plays, which I would actually say is probably the more likely thing, I'm more thinking about this, folks, in terms of if Paul is playing as hampered as he was in game two. Let's say he is down in the low 20s in minutes or, you know, has to keep coming in and out of the game and things like that. What what can you do in those minutes to steal a few extra points? Craig's offensive rebounding, his defense, and, and like Gareth said, he seems to be a player less reliant on rhythm to shoot. Is Dario a better shooter in theory than Torrey Craig? I mean, of course, but we really haven't seen that guy, Dario, for a long time now, and so... Craig, I don't think you necessarily feel much worse about him as a shooter. So I think it's worth seeing what Craig can do. It's worth trying some of those super small lineups and and getting more creative if Paul is not going to be 100%, which seems pretty likely, at least for this one more game. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a few more things to chew on as we head into game three on the other side of a quick break. But first, a word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA and NHL are bringing you thrilling games every single night in the playoffs. And we're heading into tennis, the French Open, right around the corner. I love to bet on sports that I don't know because I think it's more fun. I don't get in my own head as much. I just kind of play the value and and the odds and, and have fun with it. I love Bet Online because they have news, bonuses, and contest info constantly updated, up to date ready across every single sport. They have international sports even. You'll see Australian basketball and fun things like that as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in to the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Head to the website, betonline.ag or their mobile app. Make an account and use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag or the BetOnline mobile app. Make an account. Put a little money in there to start yourself off and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet, and my favorite bar. 
I am seeing results, not to brag. I'm just being honest with you guys from the insane workouts that I keep telling you about. And I really do believe part of the reason is Built Bar. I love to wake up first thing in the morning before my early morning workouts and put a, 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 a Built Bar down to give myself some energy to start the day, get those proteins flowing through my body. Love to go with a Built Bar after a workout or maybe between lunch and dinner. I get hungry just about every day these days between the two. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Built Bar is my handy tool to solve all things hunger and it's good for me. I love it and it's helping me see results and it's helping my taste buds like me a little bit more than the old protein bars I used to eat because it tastes so good. The double chocolate is my favorite. There's nine to choose from. To check it out, get your favorite flavor figured out, go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Let's close the show with a few other things to look at. I'm getting my notebook out right now. I, I made myself take notes in these games um, a couple things that I didn't talk about with Brandon. Again, please go check out that show. We talked a lot about Game 3 and what to watch for there, so it's not just a recap of Game 2 um, by any means. Um, the Paul stuff is going to be the big one. I would I would throw a couple things out here. So, Lakers-wise, I, I want to shout out the lineups, but I have a, a big Anthony Davis thing that'll probably take up the remainder of this segment. So, a couple lineup things. Um, we saw the Lakers go really, really big in a lot of moments, and it didn't end up mattering. It wasn't like there was this overwhelming run they went on where it drew a lot of attention. But here's an example of a lineup that they went to in the first quarter to close the first quarter. Dennis, Dennis Schroeder, Kuzma at the two. He got a lot of time on Booker in this game too. LeBron James, Markeith Morris, and Marcus Gasol. That's a massive lineup. I mean, LeBron at the three, Kuzma at the two, Keefe, who's mostly a five at this point, and then Gasol, who's just a humongous person, uh, all on the floor together. So they seemed to feel like going really big was a solution to some of their defensive issues from game one. We saw less with Wes Matthews, still Taylor Horton Tucker not doing a lot, not really even being asked to do a lot. He saw less time. I think actually he had seven minutes in game one, six in game two, so effectively the same. Uh, and then Markeith Morris only really played that stint in the first quarter. So I would be more, I, I hope we see the Suns be a little more ready for that because there's players in that lineup, especially um, especially Kuzma and Markeith Morris, who have not really shown much and I think can be a little bit exploited in the right situation. If the Suns can be ready for that and attack those matchups a little bit more, that would be good. Um, I also wanted to know that Alex Caruso is is unreliable in this series and the Sun or the Lakers were not even trusting him to initiate in a lot of the moments when he was on the floor. I know defensively he had a pretty good game one, made some shots and and was a little bit of an enforcer for them, but I don't you can tell in that beginning of the second quarter stretch we saw Horton Tucker and Anthony Davis both on the floor with Caruso and Caruso did not have the ball in his hands. It was it was THT or Davis, actually. Davis walked the ball up in a couple possessions. So it was it was really 
interesting to me to see that Caruso was not trusted there. And I would say the Suns could make Caruso make some plays here. Play off of him. Go under screens. Leave him open. He has not been a good shooter in this series and hasn't really been forced to make offensive plays. If they can do that, I think that would be interesting. Similar with what they're doing to KCP, who has been pretty terrible on, on offense in the series as well, giving up shots, missing threes, and all the rest. That brings us, though, I talked about Anthony Davis. It brings us to Davis, um, and, and I want to get through this. I want to I give myself time here, and I, I did, so hopefully I, I can make this point clearly because it's... It's so counter to what the narrative has been around Davis for whatever reason in this series or or af, af, coming out of this game too, rather, because we have Yahoo Sports, Chris Haynes writing this big profile almost of, of this, this, this week in Anthony Davis's world as if it's not exactly what a superstar player should do. And here's his stat line, 34, 10, and 7, three blocks. Very good. Shot worse than 50% from the field, mind you, and was 5 of 11 from two-point range. It's not as if he missed a bunch of threes. This guy this guy was not getting to the rim consistently and finishing. He was really relying on free throws. 18 of his 34 points came from the free throw line and the two threes. So he only scored 10 points inside the arc that were not free throws. I mean, that's, that's not a dominant game by any means. And I the assists, like... I didn't feel as if there were games last year where you really felt Davis as a passer from the elbow, from the post, really, really finding that two-man game with LeBron, finding shooters, beating defensive rotations. It did not feel like that type of game from Anthony Davis by any means. So I just don't buy that he has bounced back. I think the Suns should still be playing him the way that they have, uh, doubling him in the moments when you have the helper close enough to do that. The Suns have been really good about sending the right guy and being ready to rotate after that. And the timing of the doubles, doing it not immediately on the catch, but after he, if he looks tentative and he's not being decisive, then you send a guy and make him make a decision. They've been really smart with that. I don't think it should change. I don't think we should see um, you know, the, the matchups differently in the, in game three to start off. I think Crowder early and Aiton throughout has been a good rhythm for them. Maybe we see a little bit of Torrey Craig, although Monty did not trust him in that early May game when these guys played. He, I think Craig started and only played six minutes. So I think it's going to be pretty similar. The other thing on Davis here. So one is that that game was not as much of a bounce back as it's being painted as the other thing is it could have been a, 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 I mean, if the Suns had been smarter about attacking him when he got two fouls in the first quarter, they kept him in. I don't think people remember that because so many things happen in a playoff game. When he got that flagrant, I believe that was his second or he picked up his second pretty shortly thereafter. And he stayed in the game with those two fouls throughout most of the rest of the first quarter. And then eventually they went to that Markeith Morris lineup. So, Imagine if the Suns had attacked him when he had those two fouls and forced him into a situation where he's having to defend the rim when they're switching a player like Booker onto him and making him defend. I think if they could have gotten that third foul, easier said than done. Davis is an elite defender, one of the best in the entire NBA. He can defend without fouling because he's so big and strong and long, but I do think it's worth thinking about if he gets into foul trouble, they need to be more ready to step on his 
his metaphorical throat there and make him pay for his mistakes. If he's going to be more assertive as a scorer and the refs are going to call him so leniently, which they will do more at home, uh, the Suns need to be more in attack mode with that stuff. They haven't been so so keen on hunting these mismatches or, or making making the Lakers pay for their mistakes or any of this stuff. And they need to be because especially if they're not going to get 100% of Chris Paul, maybe he won't even play. They're going to need to exploit every single weakness that the Lakers have. And one of those is that Davis has not been as good as 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 the narrative would indicate. And he's very reliant on the free throws. And he has not been... Um, uh, he has not been out of the the spotlight of the foul trouble either. So a lot of eyes on Davis in this entire series, but I don't think the Suns, that Suns fan should feel like, okay, he's back on track, pack it up, you know, let's find another way to win. That's not what I see at all. And I think the Suns will do more to exploit it, including a lot of the stuff we touched on today with how they go small and how they play when Aiton is off the floor. All right, guys, hopefully that gives you plenty to chew on. Enjoy game three. Finally, actually excited a little bit to be uh, to be watching on TV. It's been a crazy week for me. It's been a crazy week for a lot of us. Right into the playoffs and two insane games, and uh, actually going to the Mercury game on Wednesday night with my little sister. So a lot of time at the arena for me this week, and I'm ready for a little bit of a break. And I will be on even sooner after the final buzzer because I don't have to drive home. So be ready for that show on Thursday. Subscribe if you have not already to get that right to your feed, and I will talk to you. Then enjoy the Thursday, folks.